Hello, you're listening to Which Moving Pictures Move Us, and I'm your host, Emma Bolzner. We will be ending our holiday theme with the classic musical Meet Me in St. Louis from 1944, starring Judy Garland, Margaret O'Brien, and Mary Astor. And with me virtually is my good friend, Hannah. Hello, hello. Gosh, it's all, it is the end of the year, huh? That is how that works. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it fits because I was I was here uh, twice last year too for Dash and Lillian for the holiday, um, so it, it only it only feels right that I'm back a second time. Yes, and wow, yeah, 2022 coming up. <laughs> oh, it's it's coming, whether we like it or not. So it's the year 1903, not 2022, and the community of St. Louis are excited for the World Fair coming up soon, especially Esther Smith's family. This musical focuses on Esther, played by Judy Garland, and her big family throughout the year as they look forward to the World's Fair while also overcoming heartache, loss of childhood, and love. So, Hannah, what do we think of Vincent Minnelli's Meet Me in St. Louis? Now, I have... I don't want to say an interesting relationship with this movie, but I it, it, it existed on my periphery for, for many, many years. And this year I was finally like, you know what? I'm going to sit down and I'm finally going to watch this. Because I'd, I'd watched a, I think I'd watched a TikTok about um, <laughs> like Judy Garland in the trolley song specifically. Um, which is my favorite number from the, from the show, from the show, from the movie, without a doubt. Um, and I remember, I remember when I went to sit down and watch the movie, I was like, okay, two hours should fly by. And then I, what I ended up doing my first watch was I watched all of the sort of summer section, all of the fall section in separate viewings, and then I just didn't go back to it. So the back half of the movie was basically brand new to me when I went to go back and rewatch it. Um, and ultimately, I did, like, really, really enjoy it. Like, I think definitely the older cast is stronger than the younger cast. And, I mean, Judy Garland is what we're all here for. Yeah. And thankfully, she has plenty of screen time. And I'd only... This is the only other movie I've seen her in. I've not seen any of her other movies, I don't think. Uh, I've only seen her in... Obviously, I've seen her in Wizard of Oz, but I haven't seen her in any other of her movies yeah. as an adult besides... Meet Me in St. Louis. So it was really nice to see her range and see her really step into her own now that she like knew what she was doing so well in this space. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think, now that you say that, I think I've seen clips of her doing some dancing numbers with Mickey Rooney, but that was around the same time as Wizard of Oz, so I don't think I've seen her in anything past this movie either. Yeah, because I... I've seen her. Oh, what movie was it where she does Get Happy? Uh, oh, um, yeah, because I've look it seen. Up quickly. Yeah, because I've seen that performance, and I think I've seen bits of that movie too, just because it was on like Turner Classic Movies or something when my parents flicked it on. But other than that, I never like stock. I never heard of it. Okay, great, sure. <laughs> um, I've seen her perform. I've seen a clip of her. Per- I've seen a clip of her performing that, but I've not sat down and watched the movie, I don't think. So this is really my first time watching a Judy Garland movie, like specifically for the purpose of watching Judy Garland in this movie. And I mean, God, she's just incredible. Every time she opened her mouth, I was like, absolutely. I, I, <laughs> I believe everything you say. <laughs> I was, I, I, everything she, she can do, no, Esther Smith can do no wrong in my humble opinion. She's a lovely, <laughs> lovely character. And I think, I think Judy brought a lot of spunk to the character and really played well off of the actor who was playing Rose. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I don't think anyone goes into this movie and is like, I really want to see Mary Astor in this. Like, I, think I mean, no shade to the for... Mary Astor fans. <laughs> no, we're, no. All, <laughs> we're all here for Judy Garland. And um, I remember, again, I don't know if I watched the whole movie as a kid. I definitely saw the trolley scene. I would watch that over and over again, and I'd memorize the lyrics because I just thought it was such a cool song. And obviously... I loved her singing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. But yes, I yeah. don't remember watching the entire movie until I was about maybe 10. And I definitely remember, which we talked about before the show, skipping the fall scene because it's just the whole Halloween night just... Uh, oh my god. <laughs> I do not understand. 
I don't understand the purpose of it, both like within the story and just like so like culturally. Like, why are we not just asking for candy? Why are these kids doing vandalism? Parent condoned vandalism. <laughs> and being I'm awful so confused. to people. I know it's 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 My an God. uncomfortable part, but I do like how throughout this whole year we um they separate it through these beautiful like Christmas card drawings from winter, spring, summer. And it reminded me because on the last time you were here we were talking about yeah. Christmas cards and how special they are. And I just love when they segue into different seasons that way. Again, this isn't an entire Christmas movie. Uh, basically, the last, I'd say, half an hour is surrounded by Christmas, but the rest of the movie is spring, summer, fall. Um, but I think a lot of people, not just us, consider this, well, I don't know about you, but I think a lot of people do consider this to be a Christmas film. I, I do. I, I would say that it's a Christmas film. I think because I think that even though it's only about that last half hour that focuses on like the Christmas holiday, which is a wonderful half hour, I, I loved it a lot. Um, as, as a big costume fan, but also like, thank God we're out of that fall section. Um, <laughs> what a relief. <laughs> um, but it, it has a very like cozy feel to it. And there's just something about period pieces around Christmas that just hit different. Yeah, I totally agree. Like I know, I know, Little Women is a big watch for a lot of people around Christmas time because only a section of that story takes place at Christmas. But it's a, it's the themes of family and being together. I think that really stick with it. And then you you slap it into a time period like the 1860s for Little Women or the early 1900s for Meet Me in St. Louis, and, and it just works. Yeah, I mean, people consider... I don't really consider this movie to be Christmas, but people do consider The Sound of Music to be a Christmas must-see um, just because of the whole family aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's on ABC pretty much every Christmas. It's on... Uh, and, I mean, it's a, it's a three-hour journey. <laughs> and, I mean, it's worth it. Don't get me wrong. I love Sound of Music as much as the next person. Um, but I think it's so interesting that that one is considered, like, a Christmas tradition to watch, even though none of the plot has anything to do yeah. with the holidays at any point. Like, maybe maybe you could make an excuse that, like, the party that they have in that movie is, like, could be considered, like, a vaguely sort of, like, Christmassy piece because it's a big party and everybody's dressed up and everybody's celebrating or whatever. Um but there are no Christmas trees in this in the Von Trapp house. No. <laughs> there is never any Christmas tree. Uh, there is no mention of Father Christmas or Santa Claus or whatever they want to call him at that point uh, in Austria in the 1940s. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but it's it's interesting that like that one doesn't make any mention of Christmas, but it's still considered a Christmas movie. And while I don't think Mimi St. Louis is in the same camp because it does have that Christmas yeah. section. Um, I, I think it's, it's sort of adjacent to that. Yeah, and it's also the time when they put, I think it's really vital when they have the Christmas season and, and scenes in this movie because it's at a time of when Esther is in a low point and she just, you know, met someone that she loves and then they find out that the father tells them that they have to move. And I think when that Christmas scene is, it's a really important part because if the father had said, you know, we're moving in a different season, it wouldn't have been as impactful as that Christmas time. Yes, yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think, too, that it's it comes at an emotional uh, climax of the film because we have everything sort of colliding because... Lon's home from school, and the girl he's interested in is going with the going to this Christmas ball with the boy that Rose is interested in, who's been dodging her for months. And <laughs> Esther and John finally feel like they're in a safe place, but they they can't go to the ball together. And Esther's really heartbroken about it because she doesn't want to leave St. Louis. And the the kids themselves, the um, uh, Agnes and Tootie, um, are are you know. They've never known anywhere but St. Louis, so they're equally heartbroken. Yeah, exactly. It's it's always a very emotional part for me. 
and I love I love watching at least that part every Christmas. I don't think I've ever fully been like this year I'm gonna watch Meet Me in St. Louis. I think I just catch it like you said on on TCM or something like that, and I usually like to start it mm. right there. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I think I definitely revisit it next year. I would just now that I know I would. I would just get past the whole Halloween section as much as possible. Though, I mean, if I was showing it to somebody for the first time, I wouldn't skip past it just so, like, they could uh, follow the story as much as you can in that Halloween section. Um, And then I'd probably be on my phone until um, Esther goes over to accuse John (laughs) of of putting her little sister in danger. (laughs) I totally agree. Well, I think the first song in this movie is um, The Boy Next Door which she sings just yes. beautifully. Well, I guess it's the Meet Me in St. Louis. That's the theme song throughout the whole yes. movie, which sometimes could get a little bit irritating for me. <laughs> a weird song. A weird little song. I mean, I get that it's the meant to be just like a really very like, easy linchpin. <laughs> but, um, but hold on. Um, meet Me in St. Louis. Meet Me at the fair. Meet Me in St. Louis. Louis. Uh, uh, tell me... <laughs> All the lights are shining anywhere but there. Uh, we will dance yes, the, the hoochie, hoochie coochie. coochie. You will be my tootsie wootsie if you will meet me in St. Louis. <laughs> Louis, meet me at the fair. Like, that is a weird... I don't know. I mean, it was the 50s, so who's to say what was going on with the songwriters when that song was being written? <laughs> but I definitely think it was the last song that was written because they were like, oh, God, we forgot to come up with a theme for the World's Fair. Oh, no. <laughs> and then the girl's name, um, the little sister's name is Tootsie. Two. It's Tootie. Tootie, Tootie not Tootsie. Tootie. Very confusing, I understand. <laughs> I wish I knew what to- what Tootie was short for. I really wish I did. Because <laughs> I, don't think I would love to do. refer to her by her actual name instead of Tootie. Is it maybe, I don't know, Charlotte or... <laughs> I don't know. Toot- Charlotte or something that begins with a T. Like maybe like, I don't know, like Tabitha or something. Yeah. I'm curious now. I don't know. If it- <laughs> Theodora? I'm not sure. Well, Google doesn't know, so if Google doesn't know, we'll, well never know. <laughs> if, Google, if Google doesn't know, we'll never know. Yeah, I I really loved um, kind of the mothering chemistry between Esther and Tootie. I thought that was really good, their chemistry together. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's the huge big age gaps between the kids. I mean, like you said, Rose and her are pretty close. I think Rose is older than Esther, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. Rose is older because they talk about her going away to college. I think it's um, Alonzo Jr. is the oldest because he's already gone to college. Right. And then it's the four girls. It's Rose, Esther, Agnes, Tootie. Yeah. And Agnes and Tootie just never really... I, they could be out of the movie for me. I never really connected to they, either of them. Yeah, like I, I could see the thing that they were trying to do with with Agnes and that she's a little more of a tomboy than her sisters because I mean her first entrance is she's you know she's just come in from a swim and she's like tracking water through the house and she's singing really loudly um I could see that they were trying to make her a little bit more of like a tomboy but then you never see her really acting on that for the rest of the movie like yeah she's she's just like in a dress and a pretty bow the entire time and she's kind of just there for uh, 2D. Yeah. She's there as like a, 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 a child foil for 2D to show like to, to, to show that relationship. And I mean, 2D, they're, they're, the character note for 2D is, is five years old. Is strange. <laughs> is That's strange. it. She is such, I don't know what the mother, like if she fell while she was pregnant or what was I going mean, on? I get, I get that kids just say the darndest things sometimes, and maybe, maybe it's Tootie's way of like trying to act out because she's the youngest of five siblings, many of whom are like have a significant age gap. But I don't know. I don't know if Tootie was wholly necessary. I mean, I guess she was for the emotional climax of the movie with her running out and like bashing the snowmen and, and like destroying them but even then like uh, I don't know yeah they could have just had a kid for that one scene 
Yeah. For her singing to have yourself a merry little Agnes was kid. right there. Yeah. Agnes was right there. <laughs> Just have her be that one kid. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what did you think of the chemistry between Esther and John? Oh, I loved it. I thought it, I thought seeing their relationship was so good, and I mean that that's a credit to Judy Garland and her scene partner in those scenes. But I, it was so believable from the moment they like introduced John, and they like tried to get his attention on the porch. It didn't work, and seeing Esther sing to him there, and the whole bit where they're going around turning off the lights, and yes, she's trying to get him to kiss her. I felt it so much, like. Yeah, I I loved it so much, and I think I think their pairing was really really good, and I liked that. Again, we got to see their relationship really evolve throughout the movie. Yeah, I love that scene when they have to turn out each light because it's a fire hazard, and they're doing that, and it, it, it's just it's very romantic, and and you know she's doing it because she tells him yeah. that she's scared of the dark, and it's it's a really well done scene, and I love. Yeah. In the trolley song, when she's singing with all the people, that's my favorite scene. One of my favorite musical numbers yeah. of all time. And and then he just appears, but she doesn't know he's beside her. And her reaction to that is is really special. Mm-hmm. And the way she looks when she notices him trying to, like, run to catch the trolley. Like, come on. Yeah. And even the way that she, like, looks at him um, when they do that number on the stairs before he leaves after Lon's going away party. Um, that was really good. Like the way, like she, she was trying so hard to like catch the guy because she was, all, she was so head over heels for him. But the fact that it didn't remain superficial, that there was something, there was something deeper there. I really, really appreciated. Yeah. Especially cause I, I thought it was pretty modern for the time as well. This idea of, a guy always having to get the girl and I thought for 1944 it was and then taking place you know whatever 40 years before that it was pretty good mm-hmm. yeah and there were still like you know there were still those elements of that formality with Rose's storyline with Warren and like him calling long distance from New York and you know we can't have the whole family in here eating soup yeah. while <laughs> while a girl says whatever she has to to get a man to propose um <laughs> there were still those elements of it and still you know the like oh dad won't approve like because he doesn't we don't know the family but um john and esther's relationship was quite contemporary i think for the time and it gave it gave esther a lot of agency that i don't think she would have had if she'd been played by any other actor except judy garland yeah, I agree. And it's funny because it's the first time, you know, the first movie that showcases waiting by the phone for someone to call. And how how many movies has done that since? I know, especially when the dad picks it up and he's like, no, I'm not calling New York. Yeah. What are you talking about? And they're all just sitting there and the mom has to be like, Alonzo, not every phone call is for you. <laughs> it's like every John Hughes <laughs> film, that one scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, the whole family's... Sorry. The, oh, sorry, you go ahead. No, I just was going to say, I thought it was it was really contemporary, both the relationships. Yeah, and I, and I liked that we still had a bit of that traditionalism in the family structure. I think the family relationships were all really, really well done. Like, I loved the relationship that uh, the mom had with her, with her daughters. Um, I really liked the relationship, the, the bit of the romance sparks you could still see between uh, the mom and the dad. Uh, when they were like playing the piano uh, I love that scene. At, at the end of the fall section. I love that bit. I loved that a lot. Showing that like they aren't just like cold, selfless parents. They do like they do still care about each other. Um and they are still like in love with each other, even after all these years. Um I think I think all of the relationships, uh whether they're the romantic relationships or if they're the familial relationships were were handled really, really well, and they they felt very real, which I appreciated. Yeah, even the relationship between the kids and the cook. Yeah. I really liked her, too. She was really funny when when they didn't want to have dinner at a certain time because um, Rose's future boyfriend Warren, was Warren was going to call. And, and they were trying to get him to, do, like, you know, have dinner earlier, and it's, it was it was really good. Yeah, that whole that whole first scene was very good. 
I, I, the, the whole summer section really sets the movie off on a great foot. And then we stumble in the fall section, but it's okay. We get back up, we dust ourselves <laughs> off, and then we have a great end of the movie. <laughs> Good thing it didn't end in the fall. Oh, God. Oh, God. Could you imagine? <laughs> what a horrible ending. Um, <laughs> what did you think of the costumes? Okay, the costumes. See, I haven't done much digging into, um, what exactly skirt lengths were supposed to be in the 1900s, yeah. uh, especially for, like, day dresses for younger women, because I know that the mom was wearing a full skirt, um, though the, the other girls were wearing, um, uh, the Rose and Esther were wearing slightly shorter skirts, like ankle yeah. length. and those boots, um, yeah. And the boots, yeah, um, which feels pretty realistic to me. I Again, I haven't done much digging around, but if it all felt very authentic. And the thing I really appreciated was a lot of contemporary pieces when we're dealing with period, uh, especially with the early Edwardian period, um, they tend to stray away from color a little bit. They tend to try to go more neutrals. Um, but with this movie, they were like, nah, this is all in color, baby. We can do whatever we want. And all of the costume pieces not only had very interesting, like, colors associated with them. Yes. Like, I'm thinking specifically of Rose's neon jacket and skirt combination in the fall section. Um, that was incredible. And her little, like, black and white striped tie. Like, it was really cool. Um, and they all obviously, I mean, complimented the actors very, very well, but nothing felt anachronistic um, yeah. in, in, in any way. It all felt plausible, especially, especially the, the one, the, the, the main sort of dresses in the Christmas ball section, especially oh. the green and the red that Rose and Esther were wearing. Oh my God. God, beautiful. I've been wanting that um, red dress since I was a kid, and I still haven't gotten it. I, <laughs> and I liked, I appreciated beautiful. that they showed, I appreciated that, too, that they showed, like, the, the, the struggles that women had to go through to, to meet the certain beauty standards with the corset. I really appreciated that scene. Judy Garland sold it oh, really yeah. well. She probably wasn't faking much of it. That corset, um, I'm looking at a picture right now. And when Rose is putting it on her, and it's it's intense. Like, I feel tight in my chest. And I'm just so thankful that I wasn't born 100 years ago before I was. Because I would not yes. have been able to wear that. Yes, yeah, no, absolutely. And, I mean, I'm sure they took a few artistic liberties because it was the 40s and 50s, so they might have taken a couple of uh, anachronistic turns there. But as far as I can tell, stuff was... Skirts were a little shorter if you were if you weren't married yet. Uh, skirts were a little bit shorter. Um, you were still qualified as quote unquote young, so you didn't have to wear a full skirt unless it was, of course, um, for these very very formal occasions. The one piece I will say that didn't feel quite period is this like bejeweled hair wrap that Ju that Judy Garland wears at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, I know what you mean. I get that it was to protect her amazing hair. Oh, my God. The hair in this movie is absolutely astounding. Um, <laughs> and I get that it was to protect this very interesting hair situation she had going on for that Christmas ball. Yeah. Um, but it didn't feel quite period. It didn't feel quite plausible. I would have much rathered it be like a solid piece of fabric with like some embroidery on it than like sparkle, 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 sparkle. Because it feel, I could yeah. just feel that chafing under my chin and on my ears. And I just know <laughs> it was not comfortable. It didn't. There's also one when she's like dancing around in her, her nightgown and she has this like reddish purpley, cape robe thing and I didn't think it and then yes. the other one was at the very first scene she's kind of in this blue and white striped kind of clown outfit yes. almost and yeah. I don't like it <laughs> with a big bow. I really liked that one actually because oh, okay. she'd just come back from tennis right oh, so right. she would have and it's the summer right so she needed to been wearing like lighter colors so that she That's wouldn't true. like actually die on the tennis court <laughs> That's true all these things we don't have to worry about thank god <laughs> yes, yeah, but I mean, I, I, the use of color in the in the clothes in this movie were were was incredible, and I think too we think a lot about we think a lot about uh, the the past being more neutral colors and black and white colors because those are the pictures that exist from that time period. Yeah. Everything is in black and white, 
Um, so the fact that they were like, this movie's in color. We will put everything in the brightest color yeah. possible. And then they did it. It was great. Was some of the makeup very 1940s and, and 50s? Yes, blush. absolutely. But I will for, I will, the lipstick, I will forgive that. Because it was the 40s and 50s, and I acknowledge that. But the, the base costumes themselves felt very authentically structured. And it lent itself a lot to really setting the tone for the period of the movie. And there was such yeah. a distinction between Mrs. Smith and the maid. Katie, I think her name was? Yes. Um, there was such... There were even even though you knew pretty quickly who was like the mom, the, the matriarch and who was the maid, the distinction between their costumes and how Katie's was a little rougher around the edges. It was a little more like homespun uh, quality. Whereas Mrs. Smith was a little more luxurious. I really enjoyed that detail. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love how at the end um, they are all in this white when they go to the world fair. And I just, I like that look. This big, this big feather hat, hat that Judy Garland is wearing. It though. I was just going to say the dress is nice, but the hat just takes it away, sadly. Yeah, and I know big hats were a thing at this period. Like, I am looking at a picture right now from, like, the early 1900s, <laughs> and this woman wearing the biggest hat I think I've ever seen in my life. But it just felt very costumey and yeah. not in a good way. I also liked her costume, um, I don't really know how to describe it, when she's on the trolley and it has like this white collar. Um, the white collar with her little gloves. Yeah, it was so really cute. cute. <laughs> but I think for me, my favorite one has to be the, the, red, the red Christmas the dress. The red dress. Uh, I, I will say a close second for me is her look from uh, the going away party, Lon's going away party. Oh, yeah. Um, I really liked that dress, and I loved all the costumes in that one, and how it moved when they were doing uh, Skip to Malou, and uh, and how it looked when they were doing the cakewalk as well. Now, let's be clear: I wasn't a huge fan of the song that they they sung in the cakewalk. I understand that it was the 1940s, and that kind of musical racism was still a thing. Doesn't still doesn't make it okay. It didn't make it okay then. It's not okay now. Um, but the, the cakewalk routine itself was very cute, and I, I, I appreciate that Tootie got a little number. Um, but every, I mean, everything like that Judy, Judy Garland... bamboo tree? Oh, my God. Oh and the, my the, 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 the God. sort of, like, written in... Oh, uh, I don't have time to talk about it that, because <laughs> I will talk about it forever. But um, all of the costumes that Judy Garland wore were absolutely incredible, except for, like, one or two, like, pieces of the costume. Um... And I think definitely the red dress is a stand-up, but I really loved the going-away party look. I don't know, just something about it felt very... Yeah. It, it, it felt... It, felt it, it clicked for me, that one. Me too. It, it, was, it, was really, it was really suitable for the going... Like, it just... It suited the, the scene. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have to say, I love the grandpa in this movie. He is so sweet. And when she dances with him at the Christmas party, ah, oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. That little, that, that little um, reference he made to, you know, in China, if you're admiring somebody's possession, you should offer it back to them. Well, um, I'm taking my possession now, which, I mean, it wasn't a great metaphor looking back on it for like a 21st century yeah. feminism lens. Um, but, like, it's still a sweet sentiment. And I, I at first wrote off the grandfather completely as just like, ah, oh, he's just, you know, a silly old man character or whatever. But he came in clutch for that Christmas Eve party. I tell yeah. you what, he came in real clutch. Otherwise, Rose would have been, or not Rose, uh, Esther would have been, she wouldn't have been in that party. And what a shame that would have been. And I, I tell you, I, the, I fell in love with this movie during the summer section I fell a little bit out of love during the fall section, but I the moment I fell back in love like hardcore was when the old Lang Syne was playing from the orchestra. They danced around the Christmas tree, and suddenly it's not Grandpa, yeah. it's John Truitt in a tuxedo. So special. I, I lost my mind. I was like, that is so slick. It looks like it was done in one take. They don't even look like they stopped moving. It was flawless it was beautiful i almost <laughs> when cried around and then when she turns around and then it's john it's really special mm -hmm. and also the fact that back then in order to dance with somebody you had to have a dance card and 
They had to write their names down. And if the you dance card, the, if yes, you oh my god, name down, you couldn't dance with them. Like, oh, how disappointing! How many women were disappointed? Yeah. during those times. Honestly, I think we need to bring the dance card back. I think it. I think it'd be really beneficial for a lot of people if we brought the dance card back, because I mean, then it made sure that like, and I, I think I think they. Excuse me. I think they highlight this in in Bridgerton too, how like when you were a young lady at this time of more restrictions, let's say, and you, you didn't want to make seem make it seem like your lot was in with like one particular person unless you were like already yeah. engaged with them, and even then you still wanted to make sure you danced with a few other people just for like how it looked in ter- in terms of like the social climate, um, so. The fact that, like, having this dance card made sure that, like, you didn't dance with, like, one particular person all night. You weren't monopolized. I think it's 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 a neat way of making sure that, like... You're keeping your options you, open. <laughs> you promise someone a dance. And you're keeping, your option, you're keeping your options open, but also, like, you have promised at least one person this particular dance. And I really I mean, love that. I mean, like... I mean, it was a brilliant idea because it's such a great way to meet people. And sadly... It, it, it's not a thing mm-hmm. anymore, which is really sad because I would have loved to do stuff like that. I, I it would have been my kind of thing. Oh, Me too. I wouldn't have wanted to wear the corset. I would have loved to have taken like <laughs> taking taking group dance. Now, see, part of <laughs> here's here's the Newfoundland culture coming in for you. So when I was in grade five, um, we had an event called Grandparents Day, which was like you know we which was essentially like learning a lot about what Newfoundland was like for our grandparents yeah. growing up. And then um, they would come to the school. We'd, they'd have, we'd have like a quote unquote traditional Newfoundland lunch. Um, the like fiddle groups at the school would play for the grandparents. Um, and then they'd come up to the gym and we would like do quote unquote traditional Newfoundland dances with them, with them which are like variations on various Irish, English, Scottish dances um, so for weeks and weeks, our gym classes were learning these traditional That's Newfoundland so cool. dances and doing these like group dance classes. And we revisited those in grade eight, I remember. And they were so much fun to do because there was like this energy in the room. And even if you ended up with somebody for like a brief minute that you didn't want to dance with, you knew it was going to change in a couple seconds and it was okay. Like they were the big like circle or line dances. Like it was great. It was so much fun. And I wish... I wish we got more of that and that these big dances were more of a thing because they're fun you even if you're like you know not dancing for that one song you're having a good time it's not like the idea of just Mm -hmm. going to clubs now I guess that's what's replaced it but um it would have been such a great thing to still have to meet people and and I think it's it's too bad that it's gotten kind of erased from our society yeah and and one little detail I noticed that gave me a lot of joy was the fact that you could see when they're, like, switching around the dance cards um, that they all had little, like, pencils or pens attached to them, like, on the string. Yeah. And that is such a genius idea. Oh, my gosh. Like, if I... if. If when when I I've been to an IKEA once, okay, and they give you the little pencil and they don't give you anything to hold on to it. If you leave that pencil somewhere, you are out of luck. Well, not really. They've got the pencils everywhere, but but no okay, like dresses. what I wouldn't give to. I would love to have a little like, I would love to have like a little like notepad when I would go to IKEA. Let's say if we're sticking with this example, and have the pencil be attached. Yeah. That is genius. It's a great idea because, you know, they're not going to carry their purse when they're dancing. They obviously don't have pockets. Women's clothes still have a problem with putting pockets inside. I I don't understand. So just put the dance card around your wrist with the ribbon and the pencil and you're good to go. And I think it's a genius idea and... And it's it just seemed really fun. I, I guess that's my favorite part of the movie, just because it's something that I've always really liked to experience. And even when we had our graduation in grade 12, everybody was so weird about dancing. And obviously it wasn't dancing like that. You just danced with a group of people. But, you know, it, it seemed like it's, it like I said, it is a race, but it just seemed like a great way to get together, everyone of all ages having fun, 
you know, dancing with your crush, dancing with just other people. Yeah. And then making it obvious that you're not being super desperate just for that one guy and you're dancing with other people. And I and you also meet new people with the dance card. So it was a genius, a genius yeah. idea back then. Um, Would have liked to do yeah. that. <laughs> I, I feel like I have to mention... Um, John Truitt's proposal scene. My goodness. My goodness. Okay. Like when when I when it cut to her like crying under this tree, I was like, did he tell her did he just tell her that he loved her? Like that's fine. And I that's sort of what it was leading to. But when she was like, I've always I've always envisioned what it would be like for somebody to ask me to marry them, I was like, he just asked you to marry him? What? <laughs> I know. You guys have known each other for six months. Calm down. I know it's such a short courtship. <laughs> and what is she like? Seventeen? <laughs> I mean, probably eighteen, maybe seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, don't get any birthday confirmations anywhere. But it was just really funny, <laughs> but also very sweet. Like the fact that like so he too. really. He, I also didn't expect but it. Also, but also <laughs> the fact that he was like. He was like willing to do long distance. He was nervous about it, but he was willing to do long distance if she still went to New York and they were like trying to figure that out. It felt like a very earnest moment. It felt like um, I didn't feel like it was something out of like a like a fairy tale. It felt like it was a, one of those real life moments that this movie inserts really, really well. Yeah, I know. I was surprised that he would be willing to, you know, do a long distance relationship, especially during those days. Yeah, when your only form of communication is writing and maybe a visit every His now and again. <laughs> every three years. Yes. <laughs> I also wanted to say that I always used to think that the dad in this reminded me of Walt Disney. Yeah, he does kid. have a little bit of a Disney vibe. <laughs> Except he's mean. He totally he's mean. does. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I love, I can't wait to talk about the Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas scene in a little bit, but there are lots, lots of facts about this movie. First, it did get actual four Oscar nominations. It didn't win any, Ugh. but um, it was nominated for Best Cinematography and lost to a movie called Wilson. Never heard of it. Okay. <laughs> and it was also nominated for Best Music and Best Song, but lost to a movie called cover girl and going my way and it was also nominated for best screenplay but lost to going my way oh that's unfortunate. movies i've never heard of well that just <laughs> proves what stayed in the cultural zeitgeist huh but margaret o'brien was awarded at the 1945 oscars with an outstanding child actor award presented by bob hope Apparently, she did nine movies before this one, and she was only seven years old. Wow. They were really after an annoying child for all of those other movies, weren't they? <laughs> I know. Maybe, like, all those, like, old Lassie movies. <laughs> or I, I have no idea what, what the heck they would have used her for. But she was in the one of the Little Women adaptions from 1949. She was Beth. Oh. Is that the Little Women adaptation with sorry. Elizabeth Taylor? Yes, and um, Janet Lee. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've only seen two adaptations of Little Women, technically, but, like, I know that there is an Elizabeth Taylor one, so, okay, cool. Apparently, there's one in the 30s, too, with Katherine Hepburn, but this one, for it, which is interesting, um, the the actor that plays Marmee is Mary Astor, the same mother in oh. Meet Me in St. Louis, so I think that's, that's interesting that they got to be in two movies that's together fun. as mother-daughter. Yeah. Um, obviously, Vincent Minnelli marries Judy Garland. They get married a year after this movie, so obviously things were going on behind the scenes. Yeah, clearly. Of this movie, because <laughs> Liza Minnelli is, is their daughter. Um, but he also directed American in Paris, which I've seen. Um, the original Father of the Bride, Brigadoon, The Bandwagon. He did a lot of musicals. Um, I, I haven't seen many of his movies except i guess this one an american in paris yeah i haven't seen i haven't seen the american in paris movie but i remember watching a bootleg of the uh of the broadway show once or maybe it was it was or no no i don't think it was a boot i think it was a, a 
professionally shot um, version, but yeah, um, I, I didn't see enough of it to make a make it a educated uh, critique of it one way or the other. Though I will say it was playing on Broadway when I went to New York in 2015. So that's uh, that's my fun story. I think I think Rob, Robbie Fairchild cool. was the male lead in it at the time, and I think it was it was had a lot of buzz around it because. I saw on the town when I was there and because uh, that I mean, revival was on and I think I believe his sister was the f- his sister was the female lead in on the town one of the one of the female leads in on the town so it was like both oh. siblings making their Broadway debut in the same year in different shows that is so cool yeah he did mostly musicals he also directed Ron Howard in a movie called The Courtship of Eddie's Father yeah. um, when he was a when Ron Howard was a child, obviously. Um, so yeah, he did a lot of stuff, but I think this movie with the colors, especially it was a lot of it to Vincent Minnelli because he had a great eye for costumes and for scene structures. So I think he had a huge impact on how this movie was designed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. And that's, that's a, that's a thing that carries over from theater too, right? Uh, in, in film directors have, more control, I guess, over the over the camera and sort of the overall look of the film. But with theater, directors often get into the nitty gritty of the design process. They have a very, oftentimes, very specific vision for what they want the show to look like, and then it's up to the up to the uh, designers to interpret that. But um, directors will often be in consultation with the design team. So it's interesting that he had such a hand in the design process here. Yeah. Yeah, it really is cool. So um, Judy Garland did not want to accept the role for Meet Me in St. Louis as Esther because she was sick of being the girl next door. Um, And the only reason she did it was she loved um, the makeup artist that worked on the movie, Dorothy Pondle, who actually, apparently in previous movies, and I I don't know, maybe in Wizard of Oz too, Judy Garland wore nose discs and dental caps because her nose was a bit crooked and her teeth. Um, Ah! But this um, makeup artist didn't tell her to have to put those on, so she actually got to show her real beauty, and she's said in a in an interview that this was the movie where she felt the most beautiful. Well, it's hard, Um, but I I agree. She looks fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's too bad that they made her feel insecure about her body at such an early age as well um, through these Hollywood perfectionist stereotypes. So it's nice that she at least had one movie where she was able to naturally show off her real self. Yeah, Yeah. and I've I've read... I've read a couple of books um, about Hollywood at that time, um, but the, the one that sticks out to me is uh, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which focuses on the life of Evelyn Hugo, who was uh, coming into Hollywood more so in the 50s and 60s, but that beauty standard of what a movie star looked like was still very present at that time period. So... Um, I'm I'm unfortunately very aware of the 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 lengths some women had to go to and yeah unfortunately it doesn't yeah. look like it's gone away really it's it's just a lot it's no. just some it's subtler in some circles than it is in others yeah it, it, but it's it's still there it's it's sadly still there especially for actresses that have been working in it since they were a kid like she would have been mm-hmm. ugh um, apparently Judy Garland, it was really hard working with her in this movie. She missed 13 days of work. Um, so they had to go over, um, filming from 70 days, even though they budgeted for 58. Um, obviously people now know about all her, her insomnia and, and drug issues, mm-hmm. which probably had an effect on this. She was only 21 when she made this movie. Wow. Um, well, she would have been the same age as me. That is crazy. But on a lighter note, if you start this movie at 10.22 p.m. on Christmas Eve, you will finish it exactly, or sorry, uh, when the church bells toll midnight during the Christmas Eve proposal, uh, when John proposes to Esther, 
it actually will coincide perfectly with the real time stroke of midnight wow. when you're watching it, which is really oh, cool. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. Oh, I should have done that. So you'll be able to like have Christmas morning with the characters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm just looking for some. Oh, yeah. Judy Garland recorded the trolley song in a single take. So I guess that's she incredible. Made up for her I, time missing days. Again, I could talk about the trolley song literally forever, and I'm sure you could as well. Um, but yeah. I remember really just like being so drawn into Judy's performance in that scene, and the way that she commands the attention of every single person on that trolley. I mean, how can you not? You're Judy Garland, but I yeah. know that. I remember in the TikTok that I'd watched, it mentioned that her wig was longer than her actual hair was, and it kept getting in her face. Um, so she found those little tiny beats in, in the syncopation of uh, the trolley song to just quickly brush it back over her shoulder and get it out of her face so she could keep going. Um, wow. Uh, it's it's in um it's in the her first verse it's like flip like it's it's a blink and you'll miss it um but she always does it when she has a little bit of a breath um and so i i encourage you to go back and rewatch the charlie song um and watch for those moments where she just like has to flick her wig out of the way she so expertly weaves it in you like barely notice it which is even though she had a lot of these um, insomnia issues and drug issues, it just shows how much of a professional she was. She wasn't about to see, say, like, I can't do this. Yes. The wig is in my way. I can't do this. I can't do that. She just worked with what she had and was able to make it work for her, which is just a credit to how yes. talented she was. She was so hardworking as well, and she... Um she had pride in her work and, and, and it still shows, you know, so many years after her death and after her, her movies as well. But, um, you know, she was kind of forced into this business, but she didn't resent it. I don't think, I think she, um, she, she was just, and even if she did, you know, intentionally be late sometimes, or, you know, she didn't do it on purpose to these people. She was, uh, like very, very proud of her work. Yes. Yeah. She absolutely was. Yeah. No, I, I really, really appreciate the fact that she's so, she, no matter what she is doing, she, no matter what point in her life it is at, she is at the very least consistent in the delivery and she is consistent in the quality of her work, which I really appreciate as, as somebody who has done so many acting jobs, like I, I would give my left foot to even be as remotely <laughs> hardworking and as uh, naturally gifted as Judy Garland was. She, she was rare talent, yeah. rare to rare talent. And one take, I mean, that trolley scene, oh one my take, I, I mean, I, I, I expected from her. She's so amazing, but wow. Yeah, it's such a hard song, but I love it so much. It's just, it's light, it's fun, it's flirty. I love it so much. It just, uh, I love it. Apparently, other actors were um, looked for for the role of John. They wanted Van Johnson, Peter Lawford, or Robert Walker, but they all turned it down. And I guess, what was that guy's name that, that ended up getting it? I, I don't um, know. John True. I don't know. <laughs> the only actor in this movie I know is Judy Garland. <laughs> Um, his name is Tom Drake, so maybe this is his only movie. Um, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. But good on him. He got to. Oh, he's in a lot of lasses. Good on him. He got. Hey, maybe I knew he someone in, would be. Maybe he was in the movie with with more movies with Tootie. Who knows? Um, yeah. But um, <laughs> I mean, good on him. He got to smooch Judy Garland quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was his highlight, probably of his <laughs> career. Of his life. He was on a lot of gun smoke and bonanza shows. <laughs> uh, he's long dead now. I have some good news, though. There is one person that's still alive in this movie, and that is Tootie. Oh, good. She is still alive at 84. Well. She'll be 85 in like a wow. week. Wow. 
That's cool. So happy early birthday. Happy early birthday, Tootie. <laughs> You've certainly left your mark on us. <laughs> yeah, she was also in the secret garden. We said little women. A lot of lot of kid roles. I guess she was kind of like um really big as a child. Yeah. But then she must had a harder time of getting out of it like um Shirley Temple. There's the yeah. name. I was trying to think of her name. <laughs> Um, well, I want to talk about the famous Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas song because I don't think many people know that that song was written for Judy Garland in this movie. Yes. So, you know, every Christmas, it's it's really cool that, you know, this famous song um, was written for this movie. So without Meet Me in St. Louis, there would be no Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which just baffles yeah, me. Yeah, it's so interesting. Because it's such a classic. And... I remember seeing, again, a TikTok about how the song had very, very different lyrics originally, um, but Judy didn't want to sing those original lyrics because she thought they were too dark and yes. depressing and they would bring down the whole mood of the, mood of the, of the movie and of the scene um, and would just make it sadder. So she like told them, go back and rewrite this, make it happier. Yeah, Martin and Ralph Lane wrote the lyrics to Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Um, and yeah, she said she's not going to sing it to Margaret O'Brien because she got really close to her on set. And she was like, I'm not going to, you know, make her feel awful. Apparently the lyrics were um, like, have yourself a merry little Christmas. It may be your last. Yeah, which is yeah so exactly, sad. right? Um, Faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us no more. Like really really sad um and then i don't know what versions you usually listen to but there's the famous line that was kept in where she says until then we'll have to muddle through somehow um and then when they redid covers of the song frank sinatra didn't want to sing it that way yeah so they hang a shining star upon the highest hang a shining which i yeah. i don't like as much as we'll have to muddle through somehow i don't like that as much because I don't like it because either. Because it just it it rips the nostalgia out for me a little bit. It rips out that coziness because the whole song is like meant to be saying to somebody, despite the circumstances that you're in, regardless of what they are, try your best to have a merry little Christmas. Just because hang a shining star. <laughs> because we're all gonna be together at some point. Um, but until then, we just gotta get through it. And I mean. Those lyrics have definitely hit home for the past couple of years for me. And, yeah, um, you know, it just, it, it, even though it's, it's a little bit on the sadder side, I think that lends itself really well because you can still sing it and make it, make it like hope, not exactly like happy, but you can sprinkle in a little bit of like hopefulness in there, I think, and that makes it, makes it not as sad yeah the song is already very melancholy but hopeful and and i think that putting the hang a shining star upon the highest bow which sadly is in most of the covers now um in this media i think it sugarcoats it because i do like that you know until then we'll have to meddle through somehow someday we'll all we'll be together instead of very soon or through the years we all will be together i think that's the way frank sinatra sings it and then the yeah. hang is shining star it just it throws it off a bit for well, me and and i do like the idea that that you know some christmases aren't always happy and jolly and i think like you said a lot of people are experiencing that these last two years and and i think this song really holds up yeah. that way because of the lyrics that they chose for Judy Garland. Yeah. I mean, through the years, I think still works. Through the years, we'll all, we all will be together if the fates allow. I think that still works uh, because, you know, there will yeah. be many more Christmases where we will all get to be together, like, throughout the years. Like, that's fine. But I I don't know. Hang a Shining Star just feels very cheap. It feels cheap. And I don't I don't yeah. like to say that about Mr. Sinatra. Mr. Sinatra is a wonderful <laughs> singer. He was, he, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to comment on his character because I've, Fear I may be very wrong, um, <laughs> but he was a great. He was, he was a, a great singer. singer. Let's leave it at he was that. A great singer. He has some good tunes, um, <laughs> but uh, "Hang a Shining Star" up on the highest bow just feels like it cheapens the song a little bit. I know, and I, I do think it, it is funny that 
that's the way it's like I listen to Michael Bublé's soundtrack every Christmas and that he sings it that way too Ella Fitzgerald sings it that way too so it's interesting that there's more covers of the Hang a Shining Star than the actual original version mm-hmm. um that that's really curious to me but I am very happy that she convinced the songwriters to change yeah have yourself a merry little Christmas it may be your last <laughs> So glad they changed that because that is just what are you even saying there? That'll be your last Merry Christmas or that'll be your last Christmas? Last Christmas period. Like good goodness. <laughs> that I'm very glad they they convinced that those dark lyrics that she did that. Um, she said, "There's a quote here I had of her saying, um, if I sing that to Sweet Little Margaret O'Brien.'" She'll think I'm a monster, so she was she was not gonna do that. And Liza Minnelli um, remembers her father telling her that um, the movie was about hopes and dreams, and that if this song was written that way, the hope would be would be lost. Um, so I think that's really great that they changed it. Yeah. Yeah, because if you yeah if you take out if you if you say it'll be your last Christmas, there's no hope left. Yes, yeah. no <laughs> sucks to suck, kid. <laughs> this is what life is like. <laughs> it's like have yourself a merry little Christmas and maybe your last. You might as well just tell her that. And I'm sorry for anybody who still believes this. That Santa's not real. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, what? He's oh, not. Oh God, I've just started something. Oh no. <laughs> I'll see myself out. No way. (laughs) Um, No, it's fine. I wrote a paper on how Santa Claus exists in the summer for one of my English classes. Um, I don't know if you remember, but last year, the um, Prime Minister of Ireland wrote a speech on how Santa must follow COVID regulations as well, but he's allowed to come into different people's houses. And the idea of the essay was try to come up with as much evidence as you can to, to prove that he does That's exist. Really so that was funny. one of my... That's really funny. <laughs> he's, a, he's a state of mind, you know? <laughs> first bit of podcast... Now first, we have to have a first, warning on this. First bit of podcast are... merch. Santa is a state of mind. <laughs> Slap that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Anyone with kids? I'm oh, sorry. Oh, God. Don't play in this episode. <laughs> Well, should we move to the the final judgment? I think so. (laughs) So did Meet Me in St. Louis move you or not? It did. You know, it felt very cozy. It felt very... It felt very much like a... It was a movie from the 40s. I knew what I was getting myself into for the most part. And that's not a bad thing. I still really, really enjoyed it. And I mean... The star of the show here is Judy Garland, and she knocks it out of the park. If you're going to watch this movie for any reason, watch it for Judy Garland, because she's, she's at, I think, her best in this movie. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It, it has always moved me. I haven't watched it as often as I used to when I was, like, a huge Judy Garland fan growing up, but, you know, yeah. if it's on TV, I put it on, I skip that, or walk away from that Halloween fall, scene. whole Halloween section of just the screaming and everything is just so wrong with that. But um, the Christmas part in this movie really, really does it for me and the trolley yeah. song. And I have those songs in my head. It's like they're embedded in me, you know, like they're just ingrained in. I mean, I probably was hearing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas before I was even like out of the womb. Like it's just these songs are always in your life for as long as Absolutely. you, you know, are alive and and I think that Judy Garland really this is one of her her best movies I haven't seen her that many so I probably shouldn't be saying this but I think she was outstanding in this movie and she just brought the classic energy to it and just the the way the reason it holds up is because of her absolutely absolutely I couldn't have said it better so I want to thank you so much for coming back on the show Hannah of course, of course. I'll look forward to some more stints in 2022, more than likely. Yes, yeah, for sure. I'll see how many I can get through. I'm pretty busy. <laughs> but there'll almost be two years of this podcast in May, so that's just crazy to me, too, to think. That's crazy, but, yeah. <laughs> 
but um, <laughs> I'm really glad we're ending 2021 with this movie, and I want to wish all the listeners out there, however many there are, however few, <laughs> very <laughs> Merry Christmas, I mean, a very Happy New Year, and all the best for 2022, and I hope you've been enjoying listening to the show the last year and a half, and I hope you continue in 2022. We didn't end up doing our top 10 movies of 2021 like I planned for the end of the year, but it will still be coming just early January. <laughs> the days hey, went counts. by quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so wait by your, your iPhone for the notification for that. And don't forget to click the subscribe button. Happy New Year.